Hey, did you hear about uh, those two guys? They got that podcast, uh, Juice Sample and Clever Wes. Yeah, them, them fat fucks from Ohio. Yeah, they're they're pretty fat. Uh, What's the name of their podcast again? I think it's like the mu- 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 motherfucking Sample Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Sample. We have a very special guest today. Uh, everyone may know him on Twitter as my novelty. He's got his own podcast. If you just go to iTunes, if you get your podcast on iTunes, you just search for my novelty. Are you on uh, the Stitcher as well? Yes, sir, I am. I'm on Stitcher as well. So definitely, I like Stitcher. So it's a good service for the non-Mac uh, people. Yeah, there's actually, you know, in this whole like podcasting thing, I found out that there's like a lot of ways to people get download podcasts. Like I got the ideal, the ideal, the idea from Yuck Nasty. He just he said with his podcast, he just went and anywhere he could submit his RSS feed, he did. So I just recently went and did that. Like there's so much. Uh, there's Zoom as well. I don't know if you want to get your stuff on Zoom, you just got to email a person. I can give you that info. But uh, also, you're a college professor. You uh, hobby as a economist pretty much as a hobby. Uh, I go to you for multiple things. If anybody has really tough questions, I tell them to talk to you. I feel like you're a great resource in my uh, my phone book that I can just text and hit you up anytime, man. So thanks for being on the show. Well, that's really kind. I'd always like to say that uh... – I feel that I'm super overrated, so don't uh, don't put too much hope <laughs> in what I can provide. But uh, yeah, I don't know the the armchair economist uh, education tends to get me in trouble quite often because I've learned over the years, you know, and that's kind of my graduate school education that the average person thinks they're thinks they're an economist and they think they have that knowledge even though they've never spent a single hour actually studying anything about it. And so I'm always in these precarious situations where uh, we're talking, you know, having a conversation. Here's this person. They just make these stupid ass comments about the economy as if they know. And it's a, to them, it's like black and white. So I'm always in this situation of going, do I respond and try to educate or do I let ignorance continue? And uh, that's always a dilemma. I My personality is a little confrontational, so I fight against responding uh, too harshly. But 
Yeah, education's tough, man. Did you ever learn any uh, economics uh, outside of a class you purposely chose in college? Uh, you know, m most of my economic education has come from reading books that I've purchased because I, you know, I didn't really get it. when I was when I first went to college, which is like the tricky thing now that I'm going back now was I didn't like I, I originally wanted to go to school for psychology just because I found it interesting. And then I was pointed in different directions because people were like, well, you're never going to make any money doing that. Like and people still say that shitty comment, like, what are you going to do with that degree? And then it, it's gotten to the point where like, well, what are you going to do with any degree? You, you know, just getting a degree isn't what it really takes. You have to have to have like a work ethic and job finding skills. And, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And uh, but so I, I originally studied like I was pre-pharmacy. Then I went to pre-physical therapy and then I was pre-med and then I was just going to do like clinical exercise, physiology. And then I decided that I hated all that stuff. I I did uh, – I went to school to scan hearts for a while. Like I, I did like echosonography and I worked in hospitals and so I did a lot more science. And then after that, I got a – I read uh, – well, I, actually I joined a network marketing company and that was when my economic oh. – <laughs> yeah, that was when my economics uh, education started to happen was – you know, I started reading books and I read like Rich Dad, Poor Dad first. And that book actually kind of got me into reading like other books. Um, not that I'm saying that that's a shitty book by any means, but I think it, with any book you read, like you got to always put it through a filter system. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that book's a good uh, intro book to someone who's never been taught anything about uh, money or finance or economics. And yeah, I think you're totally right. Actually, it seems like everyone I've known who read that book first were then spurred on to try to read something that's a little more, a little deeper or just a little more expansive in the information it provides. But, uh, dude, that's huge. What kind of network network marketing? Were you selling Cutco Knives? Oh, no. Well, actually, I almost sold Cutco Knives uh, at one point in time. I, my first exposure was uh, – uh, prepaid legal. And, uh, that was like when I first got to school. And I, I remember I was just thinking about this the other day I'd sit in class and I, and I was like, man, I just made this much money. And then, uh, and then my parents freaked out and they were pretty much helping me pay for school. And my mom was like, well, I'm not going to help you if you keep doing that. And then like, it, it was just like this thing. And then like, I ended up quitting. And then, you know, after year four of school, it was actually Tahitian noni juice, and yeah, I know all about it. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I tell you what, I actually did like the juice. Like it was, <laughs> I did actually feel better from drinking it and everything. But like it, the the funny thing about that was, like the people who I worked with, like I found out about it through my 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 one of my best friends who had actually gotten to do prepaid legal with me for the one day that we did it, and then our parents freaked out on both of us, and then uh, darn. I don't want to say the guy's name. I almost said his name. But then uh, his neighbor was a football player who used to play for the Browns because um, my buddy lived in Cleveland. And he got my my buddy involved and then which in point he came at me with it. And I said, well, I'll think about it. I didn't really have money at the time. Then I got the money for it. And I did it for like two years pretty hardcore. And I I recruited a lot of people, but it just was never enough. And I could never recruit them all at the same time. And I mean I did – I did everything to try to get people in. I like I, I bought leads. Like I wore out all my friends and family. 
we had these little cards that you could that we 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 put like little little snack bags and we put them on like ATM machines and it was like it was like these catchy phrases. We we get these like little drop cards that looked like a twenty dollar bill and you pick it up and it's like if you want to make money, you know, uh, call this number. Worst. Yeah, like I do. I did. I did. I did some grimy shit, that's for sure. <laughs> and then, uh, and then from there, I left them and I started working with this guy who was recruiting a bunch of people on the internet. So then I exploited all my friends through Facebook. That was like the next step. And then I went and I started like, I started Facebook requesting all these people. And then I just like, I'd post all these positive quotes all the time and. And like trying to, cause this guy, uh, this guy sold this, 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 uh, this work program through it, like how to recruit people. I mean, I did, I did, I tried everything and I was like, you know what? Like I did it for about three years, three, three, yeah, three years. I really tried. And then, uh, but I tell you what, it did teach me how to network and it, and it, it, it did make me a better person. And I did, I pretty much paid for an education in the same regard, but I never really made any money. I did get a 1099 with one company, but my account was like, yeah, you keep, you can't keep losing money and writing stuff out for taxes. So then that was it. And then I just started, then I just sold phones for a while, kept selling phones. And here we are podcasting with my novelty. And so, I mean, it's, it's funny when I like, when I recap like the last seven years of my life like that, but or six years, sorry. We're like, I, it's funny because of how much I can relate yeah. to your experience. I didn't really do network uh, marketing specifically, but I've just known a lot of people who've gotten into it. And, uh, you know, some of them, the difference really is whether or not you're sell, you're actually selling a product or service yeah, or whether you're spending your time recruiting other people to, quote, sell that product or service. Yeah. And it's the difference between, like, uh, I would say something like Mary Kay, which, you know, I, I even had a student, it's funny you're talking about sitting in a class like that, who, when I said, are there any entrepreneurs in class, she raised her hand and she was so fucking proud that she's yeah. her own thing. And she's like, I'm Mary Kay. She's going to get that pink Cadillac and put spinners on it. But it's like, she's got a product or service that people like, and uh, that's cool. You don't always have to be pushing to sell, to recruit. Because that's where, like, uh, the worst of the worst, like, uh, I can't think of it right now, but uh, are those companies where it doesn't matter how much you ask or how much you discuss the opportunity, you can never figure out what's actually being sold. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, that That was – when I was with the first company, I mean, I, I was with a guy, you know, I they'd show – they even showed their checks. I mean, they weren't – they would show their checks and they had, like, this whole <laughs> – they had this whole book of checks of this is when I first got in the company. This is how much money I'm making now. I mean, it was crazy and it was like really in your face and yeah, uh, it was effective for when people still had discretionary income because I think most of those people made because it was like it was, you know, it was like 155 bucks a month to get four bottles of juice and they were like you know sell each bottle for 45 dollars and press recycle but it's like man you can only hit up. You can only beg your friends and family to buy so much juice every so often. I mean, it was just it, it was like I said. I mean, it it was a good learning experience, but man, I I there was some grimy shit I was a part of, and like, and I don't and I don't want to like bat. 
I, I learned a lot of good things from those guys. Like the main guy was the guy that started getting me like who actually introduced me to Alex Jones. Um, oh. and he was, and he was like saying how evil the IRS was and everything. And like, I mean, like, I mean, I, I, the first, what was the first movie I watched was like Aaron Russo's, which actually is a big reason why I became a libertarian was like, I watched Aaron Russo's from freedom to fascism. And then I watched like, uh, Alex Jones is a blueprint for global destruction. And then I bought um, the creature from Jekyll Island by uh, uh, what is it? G Edward. Um, that's a good book. Um, like it's, it's just so interesting. Like how we're what, what got me on the path that I'm on today. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny. Like it's uh, it's funny how things work out. I didn't think that me selling, selling cases of juice or trying to get people to join the business, you know, oh, man, like it was even like, it would it'd be like this. I'd like, I'd call you and I'd be like, uh, Hey, are you, are you open to making some extra money? No, I, it was like, are you open to making some serious money? Serious. <laughs> yeah. Serious. Well, here's something else. Like I was like, I was the only white dude in the whole, there was me and uh, my buddy Hunter Mark and that was it. And was that with the money juice? Yeah. Yeah. Just, it was funny. I've always thought that uh, uh, I always giggle when I see Noni because I think of Punani. And yeah. I'm just like, how hilarious. And of course, there'd be a minority of white dudes selling Punani juice. So <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, well, it was interesting because after, because what happened was, is like they had all been with that company for a while. And, uh, and it was like they had, like they knew everything people would say to you and they would they gave me literally a rebuttal to say anything like oh you're in a cult well and then it's like well everything's a cult and it, <laughs> like you know what i mean and it was just like all this thing well you're getting brainwashed well maybe my brain needed washed like yes. it was, like dude there was there was so much shit for me to say like i knew how to like and it actually made me better at sales because like i handled so much shit from my family and like my closest friends like some people to this day still don't talk to me over it like i intentionally wasn't invited to weddings and everything else like that like it, it was what uh would have become a uh, sales and marketing event for you what's that i said if that wedding happened while you were uh part of the, the oh yeah event, that would have become an event, an opportunity oh, to yeah. fucking deals. Oh, dude, I would have worn out. Celebrate someone's relationship. Yeah, I would have worn out a lot of people. That's for sure. Uh, that's for but sure. The the I'm totally on your same page. Like as far as the lessons and the experience from something like that, because you know what, my wife did sell Cutco knives like uh, right out of high school, uh, and she made a goddamn lot of money for selling knives yeah. and she was actually selling knives. And you know what? Like we joke about Cutco knives, but how many years later is this? Uh, maybe 15 years later, we've still got those fucking Cutco knives and they cut and they're amazing. They're they amazing. are. They they're are. Amazing. So, you know, and you come out of that with the bit like, cause obviously you're an intelligent person and like you have critical thinking abilities so once you come out of the other side of that experience, you know, especially someone like you, you're going to be able to integrate that and apply that to your life in so many other ways. And so I use like, uh, you know, those lessons on sales and marketing and even kind of being an entrepreneur that you'd learn through network marketing. Well, if I were talking to you while you were doing it, like one of the questions I would ask is, why don't you consider just 
putting the energy you're putting into punani juice and put that <laughs> into your own personal pursuit and something that's actually your true passion or uh, a way to express yourself. So now for you in particular, like you've got all that experience on how to market, push, throw out, close deals. And guess what? You're doing your own goddamn podcast. Like you're expressing yeah. yourself. There's a passion in there. You've got ideas to throw out and uh, you can use those same lessons to promote you like a sustainable version of you that's awesome and happy and expresses himself and uh i think that's a really great thing positive thing well i appreciate all the nice things you said about me uh i (laughs) i wouldn't i wouldn't believe the hype around myself either mr (laughs) miller but uh no i mean yeah I, i think i totally like my cousin when i first started the podcast and i started like getting all these different guests he was like Man, that's like your network marketing skills being expressed through the podcast. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, it really kind of is. Like people naturally want to talk to me for some reason. And it, and sometimes, man, it's it's like uh, even like even when I'm like right now, like I don't like I'm kind of in between things and I'm, and I'm kind of keeping it that way because I want to finish school. And eventually, like I do want to build from the podcast or, or and try to do things for me and try to make it monetary, but I don't want to be grimy about it. Like, I think that's the most important thing is not like, not just trying to solicit to listeners. And I still want to build up my listener base and I'm still working on that as well. But, um, like that's something that, uh, you know, I, I want to do and I was going to have a point to this, Andrew, but then I, it quickly quickly left my mind. That's been a it's been a common thing for me uh, recently for some reason. Maybe but, that is the point, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. So so right now, like, I'm working in a retail. I'm working in a retail job. I don't want to say where, but I actually just kind of now I, I represent a certain company and try to help them sell their product. And I work within another retailer, and I only do it like four days a week. And I'm also like a doorman at a nightclub. It's kind of nice because I get Monday through Wednesday off, but it's weird because like I think the the reps that I was working with kind of picked up fast that like people just talk to me. And at first they didn't really realize it and I didn't really realize it, but like they would try to talk to someone and the person would kind of shrug them off and then I'd go talk to them and the, these people would just tell me my their whole life story without me even like even trying to get it. Wow, and it's just – yeah, and it's just like a weird thing and it's maybe like – my body language is just like op- making people open up because like 60 – what is it? Like 65% of our communication is through body language. Yeah. So yeah, it's like music, words, and dance. And uh, so – and maybe it's just for me you know, being conscious of that for the years like – because I mean – well, what I didn't say was after I worked in uh, – after I was in network marketing, then I sold phones in a kiosk for four years – for five years. So like I was one of those dudes in the mall that tried to stop you from what you were doing and then get you to buy a phone for me or get you to talk to me. And I did that for five years and I was successful at it. Like I made pretty decent money by doing that. So how I think – How I was, much did uh, edibles help you while you were selling uh, from a kiosk? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it helped me recover. That's for sure. But I – like I don't – I, I can't talk to people. That's the funny thing. If whenever I do eat an edible, man, I get super introverted and I retreat to my bedroom and I lay in my bed and then I just basically 
sit in silence and deal with shit that's going on in my brain. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, like I'm like I don't that's a weird thing too is like I don't I don't know how much of a extrovert I am. I think I've like forced myself to learn to become an extrovert. But I've always been a social person but at the same time like I really what's weird is when I come home man like I am very like I don't like to always hang out with my roommates or I don't necessarily like to retreat to I don't I don't necessarily want to be interactive at my home. Like I like that's it's kind of weird for me. Like I I don't want to be bothered. It's a weird I'm trying to figure that out. I think yeah. that's I would just say that I'm on the I, I feel like I'm on the same page because I've always related to uh, when we went to Philadelphia, went to Ben Franklin's house there downtown. And uh, one of the things that it was saying was, I guess, I don't know if he was writing this or, or not, but how much he loved, you know, the privacy of living out in the country, but he loved, you know, urban life and experience as well. So he built the his house kind of complex was designed, you know, it's right there in the middle of downtown, but it was designed so when you're inside it, you felt, you know, secluded and private and, and alone, kind of like a little oasis of sorts. And, uh, you know, we've kind of done that here at our house. Like, I mean, my backyard is my chill spot. And uh, I like, like you said, like, if I'm in a group and I'm out, just like, I mean, I talk a lot and I enjoy the social nature, but I really enjoyed the balance uh, on the other side as well as, as just being left alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, being out in the social nature, um, you recently hosted a pretty kick-ass event there in the San Antonio event or San Antonio area. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Mr. Brian Callen. Callen, man. Uh, it was it couldn't have been better. And obviously I have to, and I've done this before, but, you know, put it on the record, uh, how much of inspiration all you guys were uh, with the, I guess that one event you did before Rogan's show, right? Yeah, yeah that was and, crazy. Yeah, the video was bad. Like your promo video was badass. And you did the, the video of what happened afterwards. And I'm just thinking like, you guys, well, I'm not sure who knew who and how much you knew each other, but I think it was pretty just random that most of you guys got together, right? Yeah. So, well, with with just the whole Ohio scene, like pretty much it started out with uh, No Sesquihanna and Abu Beaner hanging out with Red Band. Abu Beaner like was in, actually in the hospital and he snuck out of the hospital to go hang out with Red Band. <laughs> Crazy enough. And then they hosted an event before the first Joey Diaz Red Band show. And uh, I got invited through Twitter because Red Band had like retweeted because I said, man, got my tickets to the show. Can't wait to be there. And Red Band retweeted it. And then Bender reached out to me. I talked to him on the phone. I showed up to his house afterward. And then we hosted the second event right before the Burt show. And that's when people really started to hang out. Like Izzy met no Susquehanna that night too and they were from they were both from the Dayton area and so Izzy started hanging out with no Susquehanna it was really no Susquehanna who kind of like like drew the line and connected the dots and then he kind of he was busy and he was like well this is up to you and Izzy like somebody you guys are gonna have to handle this one so Izzy and I went and found that venue and Izzy's idea was to make the video so mainly so 
yeah, the, the whole thing's been random, like in Ohio. Like I think we were just lucky to have so many fans that wanted to interact with each other. So Yeah, that's, that, and that's to me like the best part of it. And I mean, that's really what happened here. Like I'm just sitting here, you know, I interact with you guys on Twitter and the podcast. And then uh, I don't know, I think there was – I think it was Paul, Paul and David are twins, Di Giovanni, and uh, I guess I'd seen that Paul was in San Antonio and that he's a Death Squad fan, and this is like a few months ago, I just give a shout out to him and say, hey, let's meet up for drinks and open it up to anyone else who wants to come, which at that time, no one else knew, so it's just the two of us. Then I did it again, and it was uh, Super Chimp 210, uh, he showed up. And then we're like, I'm going, well, there's three of us. Like, that's decent. Let's put together a little meetup for the Brian Callen. We'll do this promo video. And, you know. I, that video was awesome, by the way. I loved yeah, it. I, if you go to uh, mynovelty.com, it's uh, under the latest. See, we did a, I, we call it the uh, Death Squad San Antonio Oh Shit Supercast. And it's Paul, I mean, Pauly DG, Super Champ, and myself, we all recorded uh after having met up at the Brian Callen show and Death Squad San Antonio kind of uh, getting hooked up. But if you go to that post, we have the video there. And actually, uh, Paul put together a really cool-ass video uh, of him, like, doing dishes while listening to Church of What's Happening Now with Joey. And <laughs> it's a cool video. It's, it's all on there, too. And then I have linked. This is uh, what blew me away was I'm sitting here at breakfast. Usually in the morning, I always make a good ass uh, solid protein uh, breakfast and I'm this usually when I listen to most of the podcasts and I had here's Brian Callen like it's a couple weeks before the show he's on Rogan and like right away at the beginning they start talking about how random the internet is and how these people you know put together videos and here's Brian Callen just going oh shit these dudes down in San Antonio made this video and he's going off about how much how awesome he thought it was and I totally, in no way did we expect from the beginning that it would ever get to that level. We were just doing it for fun, just yeah. to connect ourselves. Like, that was it. Then here's Brian, so then he shouts at us uh, through a couple different people, shows up, and uh, couldn't have been a more just cool-ass, awesome dude. Like, he's the nicest guy. Like, the lack of ego in someone who, when he walks around, you know, people are... Oh, you're the hangover dude. Like everybody, you're the hangover dude. And he's so nice to him. He entertains them, hangs out with them because uh, we went the first night. I think there's about 15 of us total that probably showed up. Uh, Vinny and Todd and I can't remember everyone else who was there, but uh, so awesome. To, to like the, there's this kind of like, I don't like to say club because it mean it's like an open club that anyone can join, you know. But uh, there's this group of people who share a common way of thinking, and that's really just an open-minded thinking, you know, open to possibility, maybe open to being wrong as well. And, but when all these people got together, you're sitting there having these conversations that are amazing that you never get to have in person. Like, you know, you and I can have these kind of conversations on uh, Twitter back and forth, but the idea that, hey, here's a totally random person in my town, like in the same fucking town, who is cool with me saying, 
whatever the fuck they say all the time. And, uh, and not only are they cool with it, they can probably take it to a next level too with their idea or experience or retort. And uh, it just couldn't have been more perfect. So we're sitting there like, uh, I show up early for the pre-party at the bar at the comedy club and uh, Brian comes in early and he's with uh, Courtney. And Courtney uh, is who he brought along to open for him. And uh, she's super nice. Like Courtney's hilarious and awesome. And if you get a chance, if she comes through, I uh, can't remember her last name, Courtney something. I'll yeah. look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's awesome. So it was really cool to meet her as well. But Brian shows up early. He's just chilling at the bar with us. There's only a few there. Uh, so normal. It was just almost like, here's just this dude you've known for a long time. And uh, he's hanging out. He goes on the show. He's dropping like all these little insider, you know, Death Squad San Antonio, no cunts and things from the stage that only us get. And we're totally out of control. Uh, but after the show, he's like, man, you guys want to come back to any show? Just holler at me. And I'll get you in. That's we awesome. Go we go back on Sunday night. Some people went on Saturday night. And uh, afterwards, I mean, a huge group of people would go, let's just walk over here to the pub, you know, and all the drinks are on me. And so don't, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't expect that if you're going to hang out with them. But the idea was that he was so cool that even these people who were, like, hanging all over him because they viewed him as, you know, a, a, a demigod. Star. Yeah. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't an asshole about it. Like he was just really nice to him. For instance, this is how nice he is. He was at uh, staying at a hotel downtown, and the baggage guy who's carrying his bags in goes, you know, same old thing. Oh shit, you're the hangover dude. You know, just freaking out. How awesome it is. And Brian's like, we'll come to the show tonight. I'll put you on the list and get it for free. So the guy comes and he brings you know some friends from the hotel too that met him. And then he invites all those people out, too, to go to the bar. He's never even talked to these people before. He gets them in free. He gets them all the drinks they can have for free all night long. And people had just an amazing time. So not only that, he's fucking hilarious. Like, he's awesome live, and he killed, and he's got some great new material. So if you have a chance, you got to uh, go check him out. Yeah, I don't think he's come to Ohio yet. I mean, I th I think we plan we definitely plan on going. Um I know uh, the Seguros are coming. Teeb's coming uh, the 31st of this month. The Teeb is coming on the uh, gluten-free tour through uh, Static Dog. So we're gonna. I know we're gonna go see him. I'm trying to. I gotta get in contact to get him on the podcast. I'm probably gonna hit up. Uh, probably hit up some peeps. No Susquehanna might be able to hit him up. Um, but uh, the the girl who he was with is Courtney Schuerman. Schuerman, yeah, yeah. That's well, awesome, man. So, uh, so how many people do you think ended up like uh, hanging out then, and just kind of at I the? Think, like, well, like Friday night, we probably had uh, closer to fifteen, and then uh, there were a handful of other people who showed up on Saturday. You know, I I think that there's a good solid twenty-ish connected, like on the same page and going back and forth on Twitter. So I think our next event will definitely be next level. You know, and our goal is to get uh, Uncle Joey to come down because a lot of people don't realize he got his start down here in South Texas. Interesting. And that's my people's. So uh, <laughs> we would blow it the fuck up with flour tortillas and tamales and chiles and hook them up. But, uh, yeah, I love Uncle Joey. He was just in Austin and a bunch of people from San Antonio went up there 
and uh, allegedly someone, if you listen to church last, I think it was last Monday's church, he's talking about Austin, and he's like, oh, and then here's some cocksucker came up to me, gave me a chocolate bar. I was out for 20, the next 23 hours, but I had the best set of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some, uh, I did, unfortunately, I didn't get to go up there, but uh, no, so the community, and like, just this whole connection, it's really cool. And I think that, I don't know if this is the case with you guys, but uh, when maybe each of us are in our own individual spheres of life, uh, our, you know, quote unquote, normal life, you might feel like you're out of place or the odd person out or just a little not average, which I like. I mean, I'm totally okay with that. I, I encourage that. But when it's cool that you come together with people that, in all reality, I really don't know. But yeah. when we come together, it's as if we've always known each other or it's just this, you can have these conversations and these interactions where you feel like, hey, everyone's on the same page. This is kind of insane. And no one's telling us what to think because it's a, you know, I always like to differentiate between what people think and how they think. I never, I would like to say this in class too, that the last thing I want to tell anybody is what to think, but I'll definitely teach you the process of how to think. And then you can come to your own conclusions and be your own person. And yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, no, it's kind of, uh, it goes along with like uh, the trivium that uh, Jan Irvin and uh, Mick Guzman talk a lot about is just like how to properly filter your information. And how like for a lot of us, it's out of order, like grammar, rhetoric and logic that, that those three things are out of order. Have you like done any research about that? I was actually curious just because uh, you are a professional teacher. So I didn't know what your opinion on that was. Well, like what, what exactly? The trivium. Like have you have you researched the trivium at all? I have not. So the trivium, I guess there's a trivium and the quadrivium. And they like I know enough about it to be dangerous, um, but they they're what actually compose the seven the seven liberal arts. So the trivium is grammar, rhetoric, and logic. I think I'm saying it in the wrong order though. Hold on, let me see. Grammar, I'm... logic, and rhetoric. Yes, yes, yes. Grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And if you and the reason like a lot of people have like mental fallacies is because they're they use their rhetoric before their logic or their logic before their grammar, that sort of thing. And it's, and it's grammar is in the, it's not in the sense of like the speaking and everything else like that. But, uh, so yeah, so that was enough to be dangerous and not to really be able to stand on that. So (laughs) grammar is concerned with the thing as it is symbolized. Logic is concerned with the thing as it is known. Rhetoric is concerned with the thing as it is communicated. There we go. Yeah, and I'm looking at it now. I've never uh, specifically studied this uh, directly, but you know, as I'm just looking at it, it's definitely you know things that uh, I've considered uh, quite a bit in the past. And I think that uh, you know, like on top of all of this, I feel that there's a I think that there uh, is a connection as well between what what hemisphere of your brain you're dominant in. And as someone who's left-handed, I mean. I don't know that there's a, I, I've, every now and then I'll go and start trying to search about left-handedness or right-handedness research uh, correlating to hemisphere brain dominance. And 
and the, that's just one thing. As I as I look back, uh, I have always felt like there's this left-handedness difference in a thinking process, and like I could connect with a left-handed person in this weird way that we just kind of get things, or uh, and that could totally be just me miscorrelating something, but. Uh, as I read more about the distinctions between like right and left brain dominance, I feel like I've connected that to uh, my uh, wordiness and kind of disconnected, dis disparately connected thought processes. So like I visualize words versus maybe someone who's super, a super competent speaking wordsmith. Like I have to spend a lot of time to perfect like something I write because I want to like make sure it's perfect and like work it out because I'm thinking all over the place like in this more cloudy sense which I feel like if you there's Dr. Jibble Taylor had that TED talk about having a stroke where uh, left brain basically shuts down and right brain's in full effect and that becomes a very psychedelic experience because like language is left brain dominant. I wish I were an expert on this. I'm no way am I close to being that. Uh, so half of what I'm saying could totally be wrong. But uh, uh, that connection, that's a different way to think. I mean, it's a totally different way to process if you're focused in left versus right or right versus left. And I think most people are uh, the same. But when you look at people who have their, uh, is, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, corpus callosum, the connection between the two spheres, when that's damaged or cut, you can go look at some really freaky research about people who can see an apple, they know it's an apple, but they can't call it an apple because the two hemispheres can't uh, communicate. So yeah. it, there's some really, like, really interesting stuff, and I feel that, uh, long story short, see how we took forever to come back around to this? <laughs> it's just how like I can't help it, like just the way it works. And so we come back to the point of what we we're talking about with like uh, grammar logic and rhetoric is uh, if someone has one of those predispositions really strongly, it might be easier and or more difficult to process some of those uh, concepts. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I totally relate in the sense of uh, thinking cloudy. And uh, I used to date this girl just she could write a paper in probably like five minutes and just bullshit it and get like a hundred percent on it. And for me, it's going to take me a good two hours to write a paper just because I'm, I'm going to start writing something that I'm going to forget what I wanted to say. Then I'm going to have to move on. Then I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to go back. And then it's like, it's like this, uh, this very, like I can only get things in small doses. And, and that was even with me, taking Adderall, like, cause I do have like attention deficit. This I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder, wow. but, um, so I, I did take, I do, I did was prescribed Adderall and Ritalin for years. And, uh, I think now it's like, because my mom also was like, Hey, you know, behavioral therapy is also a key factor. Like I've kind of been able to, I was able to like get off of taking meds. That's a different topic but, though. But, uh, yeah, I think for for me it was the same thing. Like I have to either – it's like sometimes for me to really write something out or to really talk about something and not jump around at the place, I have to have this really firm emotion. And then I have to take that emotion and not let it take control of me and just use the emotion as fuel to stay focused 
versus being crazy with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I accept that uh, I like being crazy with it. And uh, <laughs> well, because I there's something to me like in other words, what I'm I feel like what I'm trying to say in general is that each person should be comfortable expressing via kind of like their natural sensibilities and personality. So uh, that way you have more, more authenticity versus, for instance, everyone trying to talk like the strip club DJ and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like everyone could try and strive to be like that, but it would be obviously ridiculous. And the same thing, like someone's voice on radio versus a podcast. Like, if you want to have a radio voice, you really want to try to be that fake or that quote professional. Why don't you just be yourself? And if people don't like yourself, then maybe that's a signal that you should try to go do something else or uh, that's something, I don't know, that you can market or sell or whatever it is you like. But if you have a passion in something, who the fuck cares? Yeah. You know, you go to like, you know, because it's better to have that flavor, to have that uh, uh, variety, I think. Uh, that's part of an essence to life, the novelty factor. And uh, that's what the universe is all about, right? Creating new shit. Like, yeah. That's it. And, and not everyone trying to be the same. Or trying to mimic other people you know instead of mimicking just take other people's best ideas kind of like Bolelli's new book creature and religion uh, which everyone needs to go by and this this concept you don't have to you don't have to disregard an entire set of you don't have to disregard every single idea that's a part of an ideology just because the majority of its obvious bullshit or not very positive uh, you can take certain ideas from certain people, even if those people are ridiculous. And I, I see that all the time where people just go and blanket hate on something versus going, look, differentiating this person was this person is personally ridiculous and there's nothing good about this person. But you know what? They had one idea and this idea is still logically consistent and it's correct it makes sense it can work out to some sort of positive conclusion uh yeah you know see how we're talking we're just yeah like, no no yeah that makes perfect sense <laughs> i was listening to you i'm sorry i was like, <laughs> like i it just like to put it in perspective i feel like if there's silence uh like i tend to not get real egocentric and so even in class like Sometimes it's hard to differentiate between the patient listening or active listening and uh, zoned out. I'm I'm asleep. I'm having wide-eyed, open-eyed visuals uh, during a lecture or like a, a talk. So, absolutely, yeah. I I I usually like to say fillers like uh like uh huh and yeah and absolutely, but unfortunately with uh. <laughs> Unfortunately, with Skype, sometimes it will it, it will sometimes Skype will choose a dominant talker, and if one person's talking, it will automatically cut out the other person's audio. So uh, I, I whenever I'm talking, it's just like straight active listening. But uh, I also agree with you. I'm the exact same way. I'll be talking, and then I'm like, okay, did they really like what I said, or were they zoned out? <laughs> and then I'm like, was I was I just talking too much? But no, I, I completely, I completely agree with you. I think that it's easy to. Unfortunately, we we have this tendency to take one thing and throw it out, and we just say, well, all the good things you do aren't worth anything because this person did that, but. 
I mean, it, it's it's at the same. It's kind of like you know somebody is doing all these great things with uh, whether it be uh, charitable things or they're doing different things or or the things that are actually making a positive impact, but then it turns out they're a child molester. So I mean, so what happens in that situation? Is it are people going to continue to let organizations that were actually positively doing things stay in place? Or are they going to dissolve them because this one person was a child molester? Or is it going to get a black eye and it's going to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just like actually, I mean, to a far lesser degree than uh, molesting children because uh, there's a giant religious organization that's internationally uh, known and probably holds trillions of dollars in wealth. And uh, no one really gives a fuck that that's happening systemically um, around the world. But it's it always true. just totally insane. But yeah. if you just take something like, uh, Lance Armstrong's situation. I don't think anything he did. I, I don't give a fuck what somebody puts in their body as part of a competition. I, because no, I've, that's a whole nother conversation. But uh, so when all this shit comes down, you know what's also being threatened are his awesome, you know, foundation activities. Yeah. And the foundation's doing great things, and and unfortunately they had to be kind of a victim of circumstance because people are so fucking ridiculous that uh, just because that's a product of Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong's a liar and a cheat and, and also, all this shit. Everybody likes to watch the hero fall. It's yeah, like we'll like to be people will like to see people fall on their face. Yeah. And yeah. uh and and but I completely agree. Like you know, like here's the thing, like it it's even kind of like Ron Paul like Ron Paul, like I was, I was all about Ron Paul. Like before I started really being involved with Death Squad on Twitter, I was one of those people posting a ton of great Ron Paul articles, <laughs> connecting with different people. I had one one guy on. Uh, it's uh spell it's J Bird 420, but there's no uh, A. It's J Y B Y R D 420. And I talked to him, and like you know, like we think differently. Like I've kind of like. We definitely think differently, but we had a good conversation. Like he's all about, you know, getting silver and everything else like that. But Ron Paul like was all about civil rights, civil liberties. And then like all the so-called liberals that said the same thing, all they would say is, well, he's super religious or he doesn't believe in in evolution, which, yeah, it's fucking silly that he doesn't believe in evolution. But you can't discount these other great ideas that he has because of a crazy religious belief. The man's in his 70s. He's going to have some crazy beliefs. Like he's from a different era, but mm -hmm. freedom is still a very good idea. And I think that's uh, – I think that is another example of, of, of what you were talking about. And like those kind of people who can't uh, differentiate, the reason why you'd have conflict with them is because you're having a conflict of consciousness. Like their thinking process – is not able to critically examine, separate, and understand, but yours can. So then when they're, you know, competing or, or going up against each other, there's natural, like, kind of a woo-woo-y, like, combative energy happening because it's a thought process energy. And very funny that we just had that conversation after we recorded the uh, the recent Death Squad San Antonio podcast, 
Hey, so where can we, they find that podcast again? That's uh, if yeah, hit it up on uh, mynovelty.com. I've got it on my iTunes as well. We call it the Oh Shit Supercast. Uh, so you see that with uh, Polly DG and Super Chip 210. And uh, we recorded over Big Thanks to Paul. Uh, you know, that was coming back full, full circle, was to the meetup with Brian Callen. And out of that, all these great experiences and great new, uh, you know, people to meet and talk to. We're like, let's throw together a podcast where it's the three of us, because they both have uh, their own podcast too. I'd highly recommend check out. And, uh, Let's just record something and let's talk like all on the same page so that if there's other people in town that are de- like Desquati, uh, they can maybe connect and relate to that. And so after the podcast was over, we were talking about this conflict of consciousness and how a lot of times when people have relationship problems, like whether it's same sex, different sex, it doesn't make any difference, just a relationship issue most people, instead of addressing the consciousness conflicts, they tend to focus on bullshit that's meaningless, but it's a proxy battle. You know, they fight Yeah. You know, over where the clothes go or over mowing the lawn. I mean, I don't know what people fight money. It doesn't matter. Like the bigger issue is something that most of the time they're not even able to see or understand unless you shove five grams of mushrooms down their throat and send them to the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But no, yeah, I, I, I hundred percent agree. It's, uh, it's, it's like with relationships. Um, yeah, you see that a lot. Just people, it's like people pick stupid fights instead of just addressing the issue. Um, even like, even with friendships, like, that's something Wes and I do all the time. If one of us is pissing each other off, instead of just like addressing, and it could just be because we're brothers and we've lived together our whole lives, but it could like, you know, well, instead of like just addressing like this is why you're bothering me, um, we'll just like get shitty with each other nonstop, and it's it's yeah. just stupid, it's just dumb, and it's it's like trivial things, but it's like you're seeing that in our political conversation. Trivial bullshit conversation. Oh yeah. Like, sure. I, like I, I saw on Facebook the other day. Um, it was the dumbest bumper sticker I've ever seen, and it's it's something about um, I'm a Republican because we can't all be on welfare, or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? And then like I put on there, I'm like. Again, here's another example of our failed political system, our failed to our failed dichotomy and how people are just blinded by the bullshit that they see on TV. And then somebody everybody liked that because I'm convinced that they only saw the picture and didn't actually read what I wrote because some of the comments that I got on it was uh, one of the comments was I really want this bumper sticker. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, a lot's wrong with them, you know, and and let's actually how about we just take uh, the claim and let's break it down and let's see if it's true or not. And you know what's true is that there's more, quote unquote, Republicans on welfare. It's called Social Security. It's called Medicare. It's called Medicaid. It's called VA assistance. Like, I mean, it's not to hate on those people. It's available, whatever, like 
I don't I don't hate on people taking the opportunity if it's there because the tax money's already been confiscated. It's yeah. already been stolen from people, and uh, this program's already there. But let's get rid of it and let's stop doing that. Absolutely. Uh, and by the way, going back to uh, quote unquote network marketing, or some may call uh, some of those businesses uh, pyramid schemes, not unlike Social Security. Yeah. Because it's all going to uh, come crashing down. You know, once like, the people in network marketing that make the most money are the people on the top who started it, and they're getting the residuals coming from the bottom up. That's exactly how Social Security was set up. You know, lots of people paying in with a smaller segment at the top you know, of a pyramid uh, getting the benefits because it's a d- direct wealth transfer program. The, if you have Social Security taken out of your check, that every last one of those dollars goes directly to somebody receiving Social Security benefits. Like, there's no such thing as a trust fund. It's all made up, and there's no retirement account of yours. It's all made up. You're not guaranteed bullshit. Yeah. And, and uh, but once there's not enough people paying in, you know, what are you going to do for the benefits? Which is kind of where we're at now. We're at this tipping point, and that's when it all comes crashing down. I think it was Colombia, or. Uh, Pretty sure it's Colombians uh, or some South American country just two years ago had a just a real on full on legit pyramid scheme. I don't even think there was a product or a service. And it was something like, I don't know, 40 percent of the country was involved with it. And it, it when it came crashing down, I mean, you had uh, uh, enormous uh, risk that had to be uh, what's where I'm looking for mitigated because of how crazy it is when people it's which is not not unlike the federal reserve the american banking system the the dollar which yeah. is all a figment of people's imagination there's no real value to it it just gets printed and they work out the system where certain people benefit and other people don't but uh that's real possible too that that can come crashing down once people don't see value in it anymore and uh so i, I think it, it's bound to and, and a part of me Man, it's it's like one of those weird things too. It's like, you know, like pick your battle. Like, yeah, I I do agree that I don't like Obama and I and that's even something I said and I don't like people that abuse social security, but some people actually need that. Like some people really need assistance. And you know, and, and we are in a society. We're not in we're not a bunch of nomads just going across the wild wild west making our own rules and you know, I I just listened to this uh this uh this pot uh I don't know if you've checked out Jordan Maxwell. He's got a podcast. He says some crazy stuff, but then he also breaks down some stuff logically and like he breaks down the meanings of things based on the words and everything and he goes like really deep into different things. And they were talking about law and like the difference of what law used to be and and um it's pretty good. I just recommend checking it out. But yeah. uh uh it's uh if I think if if you just put in iTunes uh Jordan Maxwell or even uh, if you go to his website, the Jordan Ma- – if you just Google search Jordan Maxwell podcast. Um, but um, yeah, I think uh, it, it's it's just like it's it's something so trivial right now. And it, like – and I was just reading the last uh, – you, you subscribe to Reason Magazine too, don't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you read the one, the article like where the lady was talking about Ann Coulter and she was talking about welfare state and then like – in the article, they just basically broke down that it was more Republicans who actually pushed us into the welfare state than Democrats anyways. Yeah, not, yeah. not that I'm on either side, but it's just like – it's just this phony bullshit. It's, 
hey, instead of focusing on how much money we're blowing on the drug war, how much money we're blowing invading all these other countries, you know, why we're instead going to focus on uh, welfare and social services. And it's Alex Jones said it once, and it was when I it was before I listened to Rogan's podcast. He made a good point. It's like, look, I'm not for that stuff, but guess what? Let's say your legs are cut off and they're gushing out blood, but then you have a paper cut on your arm. Are you going to go after the paper cut on your arm first, or the legs that have been cut off and are gushing out blood? And that's what we're doing. We're going after the paper cut on the arm because, in, in, in all honesty, people that are abusing that system isn't really what's forcing this country to go into debt. And it's it's just not. And they just they focus on that nonsense. And then they're like, oh, I'm a Republican. And then it goes back to like American tribalism. Oh, I'm <laughs> on this side of the spectrum. Oh, I win for me. Look at that bumper sticker. I won. Ha. And it's it's just so silly, man. It's 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 just it drives me insane. <laughs> I don't even like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I I'm just, what you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's retar- I mean, it's retarded, like, as far it's, as it is. It really is. And I mean, and I'm sure you see it. I mean, because here's the, the deal with Texas. Anybody that's never been to Texas, you go to a big city in Texas, it's awesome. Everything's like pretty, I wouldn't want to use the word progressive, but I feel like people are pro, pretty pro freedom in a lot of, especially like Austin. I've never been to San Antonio. I know Houston was pretty cool when I went there. But as soon as I feel like you get outside those cities, it gets really crazy. Like it gets really backwards. And I don't know if you can attest to that or not, but yeah, I, for I think that's the case in my experience of any small town mind uh, kind of perspective re- all over. Like for instance, those kind of people exist in the Bronx and they live in one of the world's biggest, greatest metropolises uh, where they've never left their block almost. And so they don't even experience what that culture has. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are the exact same way here. I grew up in Oklahoma. I, you know, that's just as bad, if not worse. And, uh, and one thing to differentiate on Texas, and we discussed this on the, the Oh Shit Supercast. Is oh, that, they can check that uh, out at mineality.com. Actually, yeah, and they can download it. They should subscribe. They should subscribe <laughs> on iTunes and uh, rate me and review me. But, um, we were talking about San Antonio and how San Antonio has such a unique, it's, I've always called it a city state because it's existed for so much longer than anything else in Texas, for the most part, as a city. I mean, the Spanish, I think 16, late 1600s or something like that, uh, had the missions here. And so I think New Orleans is the only other city anywhere close to here that comes to the same same depth of history with this unique German influence. So you have like uh, like Catholicism is probably the dominant uh, religion in San Antonio, no doubt. But if you go to Dallas, it's probably going to be Protestantism. And the one big difference of, you know, if people don't know, is that Catholics at least like to party and drink like as, you know, one on one, like when you know them. I growing up in Oklahoma, which is 100% more Baptist and super fundamentalist, Protestant, uh, dancing and drinking were horrible. So I always see a, like a nice positive uh, between the two as far as a, a community is concerned. But then when you go further south, like close to the border, you get to like 
Hispanic small towns. And that's like my wife's uh, family's town is really small and it's just all Mexicans. You're chilling and it's awesome. Like everyone's super nice. And I wouldn't put those same kind of small town stereotypes on them because, you know, I've been around tons of people have been all over the world. And I don't know if there's anyone nicer, more opening, more welcome, more just ego diminished than like your average Mexican. I mean, it's so awesome. I can't like yeah. how, much, how many great times I've had. Like the very first time I went to the ranch in Mexico when my wife and I were dating, we, uh, and I was looking crazy back in the day, like total more punk rock. Kind of, we had, I had a Scott band back in college days. And <laughs> so I was out of control and I show up at this ranch where everyone's, you know, get kind of Mexican vaquero, like cowboy hats and boots and shit where they always have these cool ass like ostrich uh, boots and the second I walk in like if you walked into that kind of situation in America where oh here's this super uh, white English styled farm family in the middle of nowhere oh and you bring this Mexican dude in who looks different uh to me, I was stereotyped that that person may not have the best initial experience, so they're going to be more standoffish. I walk into the goddamn ranch, and here's these people calling me, oh, look, shit, Elvis just walked in. Oh, <laughs> they're, like, calling me the Beatles, Bill Clinton, just because they're making fun. Like, they don't give a fuck. They, the only Americans they knew were Beatles, Elvis, and Bill Clinton, and I was all of them. And <laughs> the coolest thing is you can respond in the same joking don't give a shit attitude and they'll laugh at themselves too. Yeah. Like few people as a group that I would stereotype that just are okay with laughing at themselves just as much as other people. Usually the people who make fun of other people, the last thing they want to do is have someone make fun of them because they're trying to express their hate, you know, onto someone else. Absolutely. So, you know, big shout. I just love Mexico. And that's why having 70,000 plus dead in the drug war and that's the official number but most mexicans would say or claim that it's probably closer to 150,000 people dead that's more people than have fucking died in the syrian civil war that uh, everyone's you know seems to be making a big deal chemical weapons aside and uh, you've got 70,000 plus dead guaranteed in mexico over half of those are innocent uh, women and children and in our ridiculously rigged presidential debates uh, between Obama, you had not one, go look it up, not one mention of Mexico. You have a city that borders. It's literally across the river, just like St. Paul and Minneapolis, uh, from El Paso, and that's Juarez. And Juarez is, on most accounts, considered one of the most dangerous cities in the world that's not in a war zone. And by the way, when you're in Mexico, you can hire a centenario, which is someone you pay a hundred bucks to go kill somebody. That's how that's the market price for a hit in Mexico. And it's all because of prohibition and the fucking retarded, like immoral, unethical, destructive drug war that somehow has to stop. Like the shit has to stop. And it's the prohibitionist thinking. So that's where we come back again. It's not just about marijuana because there's a lot of people who are all like, let's legalize marijuana. 
but that's because they use it and they appreciate it. They like it. They know it's not bad. Actually, we need to legalize all drugs. Absolutely. And then let people who have actual problems or addictions get the medical help they need as opposed to getting tossed into the cage. And uh, I do just see it way too much down here because we're connected. And so when I'm in class, I ask people uh, just to show a hand because overwhelming majority are Hispanic. I'll say, how many of you have a friend, family, uh, friend or family member that you have been directly affected by the drug war? It's like 90% of the class raises their hand. But you're up in Ohio. How much do you hear about it? Uh, the drug war? I mean, what's, all- what's happened in Mexico and like. Oh, dude. I mean, like we had the most political ads um, out of any other state. Like there was I think all the commercials were pretty much political ads towards the end and nothing, man. Like nobody talks about it. And we actually have a humongous Mexican population in Columbus. They all come and they and I tell you what, man, and it's, it's going to sound funny. But I tell you what, I would way rather go to a fast food restaurant that is totally Mexican than a bunch of American kids that don't give a shit yep. or people that just never really worked hard. and Or, you know what I mean? I don't want to say because I have a good buddy that works at a fast food restaurant. He's very intelligent and he just – it's actually kind of funny to hear him talk about it. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, like I – some of my – and I was going to add to – they used to call me – I used – I learned, oh man, I used to be awesome at Spanish, and it was well, I should say Mexican because it was mostly the Mexican dialect. Yeah. Because um, my first job was at Steak and Shake, and I worked in the drive-through, which was technically production, and I wasn't a server, so everyone I worked with were the Mexicans, and all we would do was fuck around all day, yes. and we would get shit done though. Like we would, we'd work and we'd have fun, and they used to call me uh, Noon Show Cabazon. And they told me that that meant Drew Sample in Spanish. I'm like, no, it doesn't. And Noon Show, I guess, is like some is like uh, stupid or something. It's like a word for stupid in Mexican slang. And uh, Cavazon was like big head because I had like a huge head, um, according to them, because I was much bigger than they were. And they'd always call me Noon Show Cavazon. And then we just we got to the point where we wrote Noon Show on my uh, name my name tag, and they thought it was hilarious. So and like so all we would do is have fun, but yeah, nobody talks about the drug war. The drug war isn't real to people down here. People don't really get it. Like people don't know how crazy it is. Or and nobody even knows that didn't Mexico just say like we're not gonna work with the DEA anymore and they didn't they just legalize drugs in Mexico? Hey, this is what they did. Uh it was the former president, I think it's been two, three years ago now decriminalize small amounts on a possession basis uh, of, I think, everything across the board, except it was, it's definitely like half-hearted attempt. It's not like what Portugal did. And uh, because you can still get tossed in prison with not having too much. And on top of that, uh, part of the problem is when you're living in Mexico, especially if you're not someone who's educated, and especially if you don't have access to a, a competent lawyer, which is like a lot of lot of people in Mexico. What do you think they're really going to do when the cops, instead of giving the ticket for possession, which is what the law says, they go and just toss them in the prison for a while? Like yeah. people, that's just what happens. And so I actually, we were down there last summer, and uh, I was discussing that with just one of the local uh 
Mayan cab driver dudes. And so, but they're the kind of the coolest thing about Mexicans is they don't really give a fuck anyway. They're just still gonna, they're gonna do what they wanna do. And that's kind of that laissez faire attitude that uh, I like a lot because it's also very, like, I don't know, this is taking the drug cartel fuckers out of the equation and some people in authority who are super corrupt. But the average person's not like that. The average person's very like friendly and peace oriented. And that's always been my experience. And we've been to basically all corners, top to bottom of Mexico. And uh, even the cops, like in the US, if a cop pulls me over, just because of the whole like process that I go through and thinking, like the potential of, you know, is this cop uh, gonna put something on me that's not legal, which has happened in the past. I go spend my time in the courthouse fighting it, which will come out on top of. But in Mexico, uh, I don't get nervous because you're just like, okay, we're just going to work out this deal. We're going to keep on driving. Oh, the the fine's 1,000 pesos? Well, I got 20. Okay, so let's settle at 100. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, even they, they're just like doing their thing. They're not, I don't know what the, how to explain it better, but... Uh, there's just a different attitude, and uh, I don't know. I feel very comfortable there. But the drug war, so it's so, so, so destructive. It's like so. Oh, that's what I was going back with the marijuana people. Like, instead of being in prohibition as a moral issue, it's legalized marijuana because that's what I want to do. Oh, someone wants to use mushrooms. Someone wants to use salvia. Someone wants to use DMT whatever well who really cares because those are quote hard drugs i mean they'll come up with all kinds of like rationalizations to not support it when we all need to be on the same side of like pro liberty pro cognitive pro cognitive liberty and uh, pro just personal freedom to experiment with your own consciousness because isn't that what the average person does when they have a tough day at work and they go get a bunch of drinks and happy hour yeah they altering their consciousness because their day was shitty as fuck or their day was awesome as fuck and they go and celebrate by altering their consciousness. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think that's a very positive thing for yeah. a society and a civilization to do. I, I think so too. I think it is funny though, is whenever I tell people about my experiences with psychedelics that use pills and cocaine, yeah. they think I'm crazy. Yeah. I just think that's funny though. It's like, it's a very, I, th- I think too that people just need to shift their way, the way they look at substances. And I think that, like, cause I know a guy, he used to smoke, he used to smoke and, uh, I think he even still does, but he doesn't even believe that there's any benefits to it. Like, I think he just <laughs> likes doing it because he, of the altering of consciousness. I'm like, well, no, man, there's actually medis- medicinal benefits. He's like, and he's like a, another, he's also a guy that doesn't use the internet. Um, he's like, he's like 10 years older than me, but, uh, he, so whenever I, I tell him something, I'm like, no, man, you can look it up online. And he's always like, okay, Wikipedia. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like fuck you, dude. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, I think, uh, I, I completely agree. Like this, uh, shit needs to be legal, but I tell you what, Mr. Mind novelty, Andrew Miller, um, we've been recording for like an hour and hour and 10 minutes. Wow. So uh, time flew by. We got to do this more often. Uh, we've been trying to we've been trying to schedule something here. 
um, <laughs> recently. We've been in talks for the last couple months at least, but we're both busy. But yeah, man, uh, always good to talk to you, man. Hopefully next time I can get Wes on here um, and talk to you as well uh, or maybe even just have him call you. It's kind of weird with the whole podcast thing is like I like it. It's just it's it's kind of weird like finding the dynamic because I I think it's interesting to see because when there's a group of people, I've, what is that called? What is it called when there's like so the the two of us talking creates a conversation, but that's like a that's like a, a different person. The conversation is. Do you know what that's called? It's a I forget. There's a word for it, but I think it's interesting to always see. Because if like whenever we add, whenever you add somebody else to the conversation, it changes it. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not saying that good or bad, but um, anyways, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Andrew, I, but. I do know what you're saying because like for instance, when you just put together, say, you know, a a little thing at your place, you know, a little you're gonna invite some people over. I'm constantly thinking through all the various interactions and I'm not familiar with the word you're talking about, but it's, it's intriguing me is uh, because I think like that, I go, well, what's going to be produced by these random interactions of these individuals? One, I mean, that's like a market-based perspective. And then you have an entity that comes out of that naturally. And I'm always thinking as an atmospheric perspective, like, will that entity be positive, fun, you know, great times for everybody, or will there be some of those people in that interaction who altered enough to where maybe, you know, half the people aren't going to enjoy it uh, at in the end? So, yeah, I mean, I'm on the same Yeah, page. the one asshole in the group. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep the cunts out, uh, for sure, and that's the big lesson learned uh, from Death Squad, right? <laughs> yeah, no cunts. It, or, you know what's weird too is sometimes people are just kind of cunty, and I don't even think they realize that they're cunty. They're just so. I think sometimes it has to do with like a bad kind of selfishness, like not like the Iron Rand selfishness. But anyways, that could be a whole other podcast. That let's do it again. Conversation. Time, man. Yeah, I'm talking to you, it's great, always easy and fun and enjoyable. So <laughs> yeah, any- it's always fun, man. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, we gotta all we gotta like. <laughs> What we need to do is we need to like we all need to get together for everybody that lives across the country and be like, hey, let's all meet at this place. Like we need to find a place that's like really kind of inexpensive for people to stay. I'm thinking maybe Vegas because flights out to Vegas now are pretty inexpensive because they're hurting so bad. I don't know if they're inexpensive for you in San Antonio, but for Ohio to Vegas, it's really not that much now. Well, um, you, another spot uh is uh, Denver too, or and or Boulder, and like we get, I always see great deals with Frontier in and out, and then you got a way to celebrate legally and support a society <laughs> that's done that. I mean, Washington would be the same thing, but uh, yeah, Vegas pretty centric, and Denver. I've had the same thought too, like why not? Because you already know that uh, the connection's already there, it's just not the in person, and if the in person yeah. gets together, it's gonna be epic. Period. Yeah, we're we've been trying to plan something with uh, Daga and Yuck, um, just like some trip to maybe go to Green Bay and watch a game. But like, I want to like make like a, I'd like to like do a bigger event and have everybody come, like everybody that can afford to go go. Um, we should like create a Kickstarter. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm down, like I'm totally down because I've had just that as a a thought process or a possibility, and it just seems like. 
it just seems like it'd be a great time. And so like, why not do it? Like we have the opportunity to choose to do something really awesome like that, that I think everyone's gonna have a great time. Uh, so why not? So let's talk, man. Just uh, hit me up. And- we'll do, we'll do brother. We'll, uh, we'll get something figured out, but all right, my man. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Check out my novelties website, www.mynovelty.com. You can read his great blog posts, uh, listen to his podcast. Um, you got a bunch of stuff on there, man. I, I remember the first, uh, what was funny was that I was just listening to Rogan and they were talking about the guy threw that no hitter on acid or the perfect game on acid. And yeah. I saw that video because of you like months before. And I was like, yeah, I was already hip to this because of my, oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean though? Like you, like you'd posted that video way before and now everybody's kind of hip to it. But uh, yeah, that's a that was pretty cool. But all right, everybody, follow follow us on Twitter. This he is at my novelty, so at M I N D N O V L T Y. I am at Drew Sample. You can also follow us at the Sample Hour. Something I forgot to say: follow at Ray Taylor on Twitter. We're a member of the Inspired Disorder Collective. Go to www.inspireddisordercollective.com and join. You can join via your Twitter profile or your or your Facebook profile. And then you find all of our cool podcasts. Check out all the other great podcasts on there and join our podcast. Are you on uh, Inspired Disorder yet? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I'm on well, Death Squad Power. Who's doing that? I don't know who Death Squad Power I don't know. Death Squad Network. Or Death oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm on Death Squad Network too. That's uh, I know who that is. I don't think they want to be public with who they, they are. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, um, I'll talk to Ray Taylor. Say get my novelty on there if you yeah, want to cool. go on there. Um, but yeah, so check us out and, uh, thanks again for listening guys.
Evil boy, evil boy. 